Hi everybody and welcome to the very special episode of the Endless Hells podcast, a Sunday live, which is a first for us, but we're delighted to be joined by Japanese journalist Dan Orlowitz. How are you doing? I'm good. Thanks for having me. And, and let me be the first to say congratulations. Uh, big, big, big week for you guys. A uh, big week, big season, big season, which we're going to talk about shortly. But I do want to say to you, as I said to you before we came on, you've fairly done your rounds in the the start of the season with the Celtic podcast, so I appreciate you coming back on to kind of talk about the, the close season as Postacoglu's short tenure at Celtic Football Club as it stands at the minute. But we'll get stuck right in, and we'll start with the main man, Postacoglu himself. And I'll come to you with a quick-fire question, and you can elaborate if you want. Are you surprised by his success in his first season? I, I think in the context of the first season, a little surprising, if only because uh, it happened so quickly. As he said after Wednesday's result, it was two seasons in one. It was the rebuilding season, and then it was the title season. And so I, I think we all, like all of us who, who advocated for Ange said, I said it's going to be rough. It's going to, there's going to be some rebuilding time. It's going to be a process and that Celtic fans have to trust in it. Uh, And everyone told me, no, we don't have the patience for that. (laughs) The title of the first season or or it's a failure. And hey, you got the title of the first season. And in in that sense, I think that it is easy to get taken aback. If you're looking back on in retrospect, yes, he did exactly what we, we expected him to do. But it, it did require all the pieces to fall into place exactly as they had to. And that it, it, there is always a bit of a surprise element to that. Yeah, 100%. I mean, I do I, I, kind of what you said there about the league title. You, usually for me, that's the, the marker of success. I agree with anything before that. It's kind of a failure, regardless of what you win. League title, Celtic need to be back on top, especially this season with the Champions League bounty. The forty million pounds at stake as well, and Postecoglou fairly delivered that with a fantastic team. But if we jump in like the the time machine and go back to the start of the season, I was kind of guilty of this myself. I remember when Postecoglou was being mentioned after Eddie Howe kind of fell through, and everyone had their breakdown about that. And then Postecoglou came along, and it was it was quite quick. Had happened. It was like a rumor, and then it just gathered and gathered and gathered. And me myself personally, I was like, who is this guy? You look into his credentials, and yes, he's done well in Japan, Australia. And, but you do that ignorant thing, Dan. I don't know if you've came across it many times, but you kind of compare leagues and you're going, if he if he's done well there, why hasn't the other club took an opportunity on him? You're questioning things. I know he was linked with Sunderland before, but it kind of fell through. But if you kind of go back to the, to when he was first announced, what's the, the major difference now? Because in the Celtic family, Anz Postacoglu is one of our own. He's loved. Uh I think that there were a, a let's get it out of the way. There were a lot of really bad takes about Postacoglu as soon as he he came up, and I do think a lot of it, as you say, sort of came from ignorance about the leagues that he uh, had coached in. Uh, I don't think that there is a great understanding of Asian football in Scotland, and, and that's not your fault. I'm not saying it is, uh, but I, I think that I, I hope, if nothing else that this season has taught everyone to keep a a very open mind about the football that's happening beyond Scotland, beyond the UK, Mm -hmm. beyond Europe. Uh, Because as you can see, we're developing some incredible coaches and and some incredible players. I think that all of us who were were coming on to podcasts and and Sky and BBC and and all, all the shows back in the early days, all we do see, we did see it in a way as defending 
in defending what we believe to be Asian football's potential and our talent. But mm -hmm. we also knew from experience that Ange was the boss. He, we, we, knew, we, we were confident that he was going to get it done because we've seen it happen. We saw it happen at, in Yokohama. We saw it happen in the A-League. We saw it happen mm -hmm. for Australia in the Asian Cup. And, and so I think we, we're all coming from this place where we know the level of play because we, we're not just seeing Asian leagues. We do watch the Premiership, the Premier League. We, we, we know the level of play in Europe. And so we knew that not if, but when Ange got his chance, that he would perform up to the standard that, that we expect from him. We, we expected him to succeed in Europe. Did we expect him to get the title in the first year? <laughs> I, I think if you're asking me back in December, am I satisfied with his progress? I, I think the League Cup and finishing a, a close second would have been a great result for his first season. I think if you're asking us for that bet, most of most would have taken it if, you, if you'd said, you know, yeah. settle for those results. And then January came and then they made the signings that they needed to make. And Hatate scores two against Rangers and it's, you know, a whole new league. Uh, we'll be getting on to them players shortly. What superstars? Superstars. Some of them are going to go on to be. And I know Dan, there will be a few sore heads in the comments after the celebrations that was seen yesterday. The wide celebrations in Glasgow, which looks fantastic, at Celtic Park was fantastic. And I just want to welcome you all along on this Sunday morning. I know it's kind of a, a shock that we're on live, but hey ho, it's going to be a great show. And I want to look at his time at the at Yokohama in, in Japan and the perception of him there because he gets called the boss, right? You see that that kind of stature about him. See when he went into the J League, was it like a, sh a shock to the system when he went there? Was it like a, did the standard change while he was there involved? Did you see that? I, I think that especially at Yokohama, um, the standard changed. The, the standard went up, and you could even see it uh, in terms of how they the the players responded, in terms of how the club coalesced around him, in terms of how you you talk to many members of the, the media that cover the J-League, and they'll all say that Pascalu is one of the best managers they've ever seen come here. And, and that's a pretty high standard. This is a league we've had Arsene Wenger. Uh, mm -hmm. we've, we've had a number of, of European coaches come and go. We've had a number of great Brazilian coaches come and go. We've had Zico coach the national team here. We, we've had coaches come and win, win trebles, win the Champions League. Uh, but and wasn't just a, a sort of mercenary coach or, or a journeyman or just sort of a coach you could pop in into any squad yeah. and he would win the title. He was building his system. He was building his house brick by brick, establishing his philosophy, establishing his attacking style. And that is why you saw at Yokohama there was inconsistency because the, the players weren't always ready to play what he was asking of them. And that's what you saw in some of those results in that first season where they win by a gigantic score and then they come back and they lose four, three the next week. And part of that was, you know, you have goalkeepers, you have defenders who just aren't ready to, to press aggressively. You don't have a goalkeeper <laughs> who was confident in his ability to basically play as a sweeper. And, you saw the changes that they made during the off season between the 2020 and 2021 seasons. And that's what made the difference or excuse me, the, uh, not 
way back the 2018 and 2019 seasons and that's what made the difference in winning that title in 2019 was the players that he brought on who were able to adapt to his system and and to do what he wanted them to do and and they all trusted him and i think that when he take if a player calls you boss that can be an affectation nickname whatever but when you accept that mantle as a manager you're accepting the responsibility you are saying mm -hmm. that listen i'm the boss and what happens on the pitch it, it it falls to me win or lose and i think that it does take a certain amount of confidence to do that and he's is nothing if not confident oh he's he's definitely confident what i love about him as well dan like his system as you said there he builds it brick by brick and that the term thrown around that we never stop is on back of t-shirts and everything so they're making mm -hmm. good money out of that but you look at it, his system, Joe Hart, that sweeper-keeper, gives you a heart attack sometimes. And you talk about the inconsistencies. We've seen that at the start of the season. Pre-season, we got smashed up by West Ham, like 6-2, whatever it was. We lost our first three out of six league games. And you could kind of see, that not not the whole support, but some of the support getting on his back and kind of asking questions. Is this guy going to make it? And it's, it's all in hindsight now, obviously, but you have to go through these things. And you tend to talk about the media. And the media over here have been quite, uh, I would say, not disrespectful to a degree towards Hans Postecoglou. I mean, there's that famous talk sport presenter, Alan Brazil. I don't know mm -hmm. if you've seen that clip going about, and he's like, Posta who and all that stuff, and he kind of got made the humble pie. But what was Postecoglou like with the media over in Japan? Is he still the same, or has he changed his approach? He, he's this, the same and just very straightforward. You can't ask him a dumb question, or he'll, mm -hmm. or, or he'll hit you for it. And I've... I've done it. Not that I've, I, I'd like to hope I haven't, I didn't ask him any dumb questions while he was at Marinos, but sometimes you lob him a softball and he, he knows, he knows you're said you're giving him a softball and he, but he, he is gracious enough to usually respond in kind. <laughs> but I think that the biggest difference, and this is something that he's talked about over there is that now he isn't going through an interpreter anymore. And I think that does make a ton of difference when you're talking, not just to the players, but to the media, uh, because it, there is a certain gruffness to his demeanor. I, I say that with all the love and affection in the world, but it, it, it it does get lost in translation a little. And when you're an interpreter in Japan, you do have to couch things and quantify them a little and sort of soften them. Because if you say what the manager is really saying in whatever language he's saying it is, is sometimes you, the club gets a fine. So yeah. <laughs> there's a very fine line there. And I, I think that he's been right at home in Scotland. He, you look at his performance in the press conferences, which is sometimes more entertaining than what you see on the pitch. And he loves a fight. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I think he loves a fight and he loves to be a fighter up there. And I think that the fans love a fighter. And I think that's helped to endear him to Celtics fandom. Yeah, I mean, he looks like a, a big bird, doesn't he? He just has that kind of physique about him, like you don't want to cross him. And then you've seen the emotional side of him yesterday when he was doing the, the aftermath celebrations, pictures of his two kids and his wife. And he did the speech to the Celtic fans. I thought he was going to cry. I was nearly crying myself. It was just so emotional yesterday. And I think you're you're 100 right. We do we do love a fighter. Do you know what I mean? But we needed someone to come in and galvanize the club again and bring this back to the top because. I know when you were doing your rounds in the Celtic podcast before, some of the things you said were taken to the extreme or whatever, and in terms of you'd rather draw a game, blah, blah, blah. But when you look back on it now, 
and the progress that he's made coming from Yokohama, Japan to the Celtic Football Club, with all due respect, a far bigger institution mm-hmm. than Yokohama. But do you think he's coped with that demand well? Because as we spoke about before, that pressure that he felt at the start of the season, he just kind of wiped it off. It didn't bother him. Did you get that kind of sense? I, yeah, I I don't think that... I mean, again, I mean, I said at the time that it, it isn't sort of that he'd rather settle for a draw than you know lose or then win narrowly mm-hmm. is that he is just he has such an uncompromising belief in the kind of football that he wants to play that he can when he wants to just turn on that tunnel vision and focus on that yeah. and i think that he's very good at just pushing away the distractions turning down the noise and he just he he doesn't worry about the fishbowl he doesn't worry about what the media are saying. I think he's just, he's just worried about what his players are doing on the training ground and on game day. And and that's definitely helped him because I, I think you do need an incredibly thick skin uh, to get oh. through that league. Uh, it, it, it is absolutely way beyond anything he's ever dealt with. And even in Australia where the media are, are have at times been just as critical of him, uh, yep. in Japan he hasn't really had to he didn't really have to deal with that criticism and that's a problem with Japanese media and less with him but you know there was a question of sort of has Japan made him go soft and I don't think it was never in doubt that he was just the same Ange that he always was it's just that now he had this fire to forge himself in and I think he handled it brilliantly yeah, I think one of the, the most striking things was that he said it was like his burning ambition to make a market a, a world club, a world-renowned club in Europe, and he's done that with Celtic Football Club. And what I love about him, he always kind of talks about his father, and he was speaking about him yesterday, saying he's probably watching somewhere, and it, it makes you emotional that he's still he's still holding on to them memories because he always wanted to impress his father and get bums off seats, which is what he always talks about. And you, you look at it, he's won the league, he's tensed the league, he's done the double in his first season, it's absolutely fantastic. Have a wee, wee bit back in the time machine, and we'll come to now. Let's talk about Europe a wee bit. And I know in the, the Asia Champions League, there was his aspiration to, to do well. Do you think impact on Europe is his main aim at Celtic Football Club? Absolutely. Look, it doesn't get bigger for club. Well, okay, we're going to put aside the argument of, about the Club World Cup's place in mm. in, in the football landscape. Uh, I will defend that. For do do you compare that? Do you compare okay, that? Okay, I, we rate the Club World Cup because we've we hosted it so many times. And honestly, I, I think that European clubs should rate it more than they do because I, I think it should matter. Um, mm. But again, I, I, I'm not here to talk about the Club World Cup. I'm here, we're here to talk about Ange and, and the boys. Yeah. Uh, I think that if you're a club manager, which he is and he, which he loves being, and, and I, he could have, if he had been offered the the Japan job, which there were some rumors and, and discussions about whether or not he should be, I'm not sure he would have taken it because he said that he loves working with the players on a day-to-day basis. And if you're that kind of manager, I think that the Champions League, it, it's such an iconic t- competition. Mm-hmm. It's such a strong tournament. You know, it, it is, in terms of level, as big as it gets. And I think that he, you'd be insane to not want to compete in the Champions League and not want to try to win in. I'm not making any promises about what he's going to be able to do, but I'll tell you, if there is an, a manager in Asia who is capable of going deep into the Champions League, it is Ange Postacoglu. I think he is the yeah. best manager in, in the continent right now. 
Uh, it's too, way too early to say how Celtic are going to do uh, in the competition coming up, but he's going to do. He's he's going to give it give it his all, and and I think that uh, the, you know, as far as not being able to succeed in Asia, it, it is a very different, differently difficult, yeah, continental competition than the European Champions League for a, lo- a lot of different reasons. You have the refereeing standards you have the the standards of facilities which vary widely <laughs> uh, the travel is incredibly intense uh, you can have to play a game in yokohama on saturday fly to australia play a game on tuesday or wednesday and then fly back for a saturday or sunday game yeah that's not easy. That that's an eight-hour flight. That's and only across one or two time zones. It's not easy. Um, it's it's a brutal continent to play in, and, and to have to balance the call the continental and domestic competitions. So, it, I don't think that his failure to win the ACL should be held against him. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's just not an easy competition to win, and in that sense winning the Asian Champions League is in some ways harder than the UEFA Champions League because you, you're not, it's the equivalent of having to fly from London to not, not even Moscow. I think we are beyond yeah. every other week, you know, in, in that's some crazy. cases. That, that's insane. Like if, if you look at it as well, I mean, if you go by his results in European football this season already in the Europa League, he went for it against every team. Whether it was Leverkusen or Batiste, and I think that goes back to the, the point that you made at the start of the show and his belief, he's not never going to waver from it. He's never going to change it. I know people always say, and this is actually a point I want to put to you, it's been a lot of, can I, is there a plan B? Can, is it do plan A better? And you look at it then to European football, and I thought you made a fantastic point in terms of Asian coaches that I know are more off, he's, he's, he's the best. Because again, I'm kind of not ignorant of the, the whole the Japanese manager stuff. I just don't know many of them. Pasta Kolu is the one who sticks to mind for me. But you look at it in the European football, do you think he needs a, a kind of tweak to the system? Or like your own personal opinion? Or is it does Ange Ball all the way? I think that Ange Ball will at times need to evolve. Um, but I think the fundamentals of Ange Ball are going to remain the same. And I, I think that it, it isn't so much about tweaking the system or different formations as it is about getting the players to work even better under that system, getting the players rested. I think you had a lot of players who performed very well, uh, given the circumstances during the second half of the season, but they need to rest. Daisen Maida needs to rest. Leo, <laughs> Leo Hatate needs some time off. Uh, you know, you, you have Rajik, Rajic and and and. and Near and all, you know, all these players, near Beton and all these players who need to be replaced, uh, and you've got fortunately the whole summer to go into that system and and, and to figure out what your needs are in the transfer market and, and get them settled yeah. and get them integrated. And I, I he talked about how quickly he wants to get that done. I think he said he wants to finish up his business before the preseason. Yep, and if you can do that, if you have the whole preseason to work on that, you know, Champions League starts in early September for the group stage. Yeah, group stage. That's plenty of time uh, to get ready. I think it's going to be very challenging for Celtic. I think you're going to be in pot three or four. So no matter what, you're going to be paired up with two very strong clubs, 
three really i don't think it matters yeah, but, but that's the the it doesn't matter who you draw who you draw in the champions league they're going to be tough games all of them yeah 100 uh and it, it is going to be a new, it's going to be a new challenge for him uh but i think he now that he has played in the europa league in the, in the conference league he does know what european travel is like he, he understands the circumstances uh the pressure that the players are going to be under and i think he's going to respond to that yeah, 100%. I think he made a great point, Dan, in terms of the preseason, because usually Celtic are two weeks off and they're straight back in. They're playing preseason friendlies for like the first qualifying round. And for me, that was absolutely disgraceful that a champion of Scotland would be in the. But thankfully, the coefficient were in the group stages. I want to address some of the comments here because I feel like I've been leaving some of them out. But Ryan Kelly comes in and just slowly becoming my favourite Celtic manager so far. His speech got me most yesterday. Looking forward to see how he progresses next season. 100%. Egyptian King, he wants to know if there's any more. James, we can get from the J League. We're going to come on to that Egyptian King very shortly. Um, again, I just want to welcome everyone along. Lanky 67's in, Stevie Boy's in, Ryan Kelly. So it's great to have you along on this, on this uh, Sunday morning. But you look at you, you look at Anz coming in, right? You look at players he signed. We'll start with the first one that came from the J League, and that was Kyogo. A fantastic, fantastic player. This guy, the two goals he got yesterday, especially the second one, were, was phenomenal. Come over the shoulder in the valley, yeah. just one touch, bang into the back of the net. But before I get into that, can you tell me, Dan, how no one picked this guy up before? We are new. He's been here the whole time. You know, I mean, it's. I think that this old Kobe were smart, and this is Kyogo will is currently. If I'm looking at all of the Japanese players who have gone to Europe, and all of the J League clubs that have let them go for next to nothing, I think that Kyogo goes down as one of the best bits of business that a, a Japanese club has done. Probably mm-hmm. one of the one of the top five sales. Maybe not in terms of, of monetary of pure monetary value, but in terms of getting what they deserve for a Japanese player. Um you know, he started, he came out of university, he played at FC Gifu, then Vissel signed him very smartly. And the goal was always going to be I, I think that they knew that he was a quality player who was going to go to Europe. Nobody mm-hmm. was ever in doubt of that. This he Kyogo Fudahashi was not a surprise to anyone. But what Vissel did, which was the really smart thing, is that they basically had him shadowing and interning under Andres Iniesta for yeah. a couple of seasons, and and that will get you very far. Uh, I think that they they saw that this was a chance for them to take one of Japan's most promising strikers and have him learn under the master. Yep, and he did that, and I, I think that this was something I touched on when Kyogo's transfer happened. How Iniesta was just unabashedly endorsing him, and uh, you know, to get an endorsement like that is a huge thing, and I think it gave everyone a bit of confidence. So it, it was it was always going to happen. I think that it, it's just very fortunate for him and for the club that it happened the way it did. Yeah, I think as well it helped Ange Postecoglou, in my opinion, because he's bringing in that kind of. It, although he didn't coach him, but he knew of him, and he knew he was going to be a cracking player. It was his chance to show him recruiting is the best process for Celtic Football Club, and we're going to touch upon that as well. But with Kyogo, and you're 100% correct, you can tell by his movement all the time that Iniesta was just pinging balls to him left, right, and centre. He was he makes them dart and runs, and just let's touch upon some of his goals that he scored for Celtic in the, the Cup final especially, and yesterday with that volley. Do you think that, Kyogo will be, and I, I don't want to get any Celtic fans on my back here, but it's a question I want to ask. But do you think that Kyogo will be settled at Celtic for the, the foreseeable years, or do you think he's aiming for somewhere else? I mean, he is a quality, quality player. I think that 
I, I I'm I don't have you know we're we're not close personal friends. I'm not on on first name <laughs> terms with him. So I you know again this is sort of common sense conjecture, but I I think that all Japanese players are always aiming higher. You're mm-hmm. always aiming to play for a bigger club and a bigger. Uh, league uh, on you know under brighter lights and i think that for example if one of the big four premier league clubs comes and makes him an offer he can't refuse of of course he'd be foolish not to take it away but i think that his management are smart enough i think he's smart enough to know what a good situation to go into is and what a bad situation to go into is you look at shinji kagawa who mm-hmm. went, you know, he was a legend at Dortmund, but he chased the Premier League. Yep. He went to Manchester United. I think that, again, that's that's just, that's an example of, of a club so big, you can't turn it down. Uh, but unfortunately for him, he ended up in just what wasn't a great situation because you had Sir Alex retiring after a season and, and things didn't really work out for United after that. So for Kilgo. You know, if Arsenal come to you, if Tottenham come to you, if if Man City, man, maybe maybe even Man City, just because of the relationship they have with Celtic, yeah, I think it could happen. Will it happen this summer? Probably not. Will it happen next summer? Well, I mean, that depends on how many goals he scores in the in the Champions League. Really, uh, I think that Kyogo Kyogo's future is up to him at this point. Yeah, I think Kyogo as well. Like you look at his movement, and uh, me and the guys in the podcast, we always said, bar Henrik Larsson, in terms of movement, he he he's just he's miles ahead of the rest. You, you can see he's on the pitch. Defenders are scared to close him. They're scared to back off him because he comes deep and he can make that dart and run in behind. It's just it's also quick. It, it's like um, his brain's always ticking. It's always thinking of where to be. And I think the goals yesterday were kind of exemplary of that. I mean, Ralston plays a lovely ball over the top and. He just watches the ball instead of watching the keeper. He didn't care, and he just bangs it in the top corner. He's a fantastic player. And you look at the injuries, right? Bar the injuries, I think it was what was it, sixteen starts in the SPFL and twelve goals or thirteen goals. That's fantastic. And obviously, mm-hmm. I think it's nineteen goals for overall for the season. But bar injury next season, and another one I'm going to throw in Jackamacus because the comments is going crazy for this. Who do you think is going to score the most? Oh, God. Um, <laughs> I'd like to see Kyogo score the most. I'd like to see him hit 20. Um, I think that if he's healthy, he's capable of it. You know, the fact that he was nearly joint top scorer in the in the premiership with missing 18 games, something like that. I mean, it's yeah. it, it, a player like Kyogo only works is, is he's in a way only as good as the players around him and i mean that in a good way because you know if you're you saw that when he was at Fissel kobe and when it's him and iniesta and iniesta's fit and playing they can cause trouble for any team Mm -hmm. uh but when you don't have that sort of you know those sort of those sorts of players surrounding you that's when you are a bit isolated and it gets gets frustrating but kyogo just has such a talented array of players around him and they are all clearly so comfortable with with each other that they know how to work with each other. You, you're going to be creating magic every weekend. And I remember uh, being asked, "Well, can Maida and Kyogo play? Oh. You know, can can they play together?" And I think you saw that yesterday. I think Maida assisted yeah. Kyogo's first. So there's your answer. I think they can play great together. Uh, and if they keep doing it, then yeah, I think that Kyogo can get twenty. I think that he absolutely has a shot at the Golden Boot. 
You know, it's yeah. He he can do anything he wants to. Basically, it's just a question of whether or not he can stay healthy and deliver. I I think as well, like once they get onto this first season, I know that. Usually, when I heard you speak before, it's the second season where Hans's team's really boom, 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 mm-hmm. and hopefully that's still the same effect as Celtic, regardless that he's just won the 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 title and the cup double for sales. But one player I want to touch upon again is he's getting brought brought up in the comments here is now forgive me for my pronunciation. I'm well known for messing names up. Edaguchi, is that you're not Edaguchi, Yosuke Edaguchi, you've got it right. Yeah, Edaguchi, yeah, right. So we're seeing Beaton leaving, right, and he's our defensive midfielder. Edoguchi came in for one game and got injured, but he came on yesterday, he looked very well, played the ball simple, he can break forward as well. What can we expect from him in the long run? I th- I think that he's got a lot of potential. I mean, he was done dirty by his injury. It can't be helped. I think Ange recognizes how important he's going to be, not just a, as a core player, not just in the sense of the team needs depth for the Champions League, but... Mm. In, in terms of the first team, I think that it will be possible to see three or four Japanese players starting regularly for sale. It, it can absolutely happen. Uh, he brings this aggression to the midfield. I think that he can, he presses really well. He will force turnovers and he can push up and, and contribute to, to the attack and distribute balls as, as you need. So I think that he is the perfect complement to players like Maida, like Itaguchi, uh like, you know, like Gigi over there. And, and it, it's, you, you've got so much potential. And I think that this is, if you look at the players that Ange has assembled, it, it isn't just that they each do something. It isn't that just that they each do something well, it's that they each do so many things well with each other. And so mm-hmm. they can just connect however they need to there. It's like a trans, it's like your, the transformer toys that we had as kids. They can, they can sort of twist and turn into whatever shape you need and then, you know, shoot a missile down your throat. It's just so many threats in the Celtic squad. Do you think that Edoguchi will be a starter going forward? Because I know at the minute he prefers Kalmak and um, I was going to say Rosic, but he's left. I don't want to start crying again. And then O'Reilly or Hatate. But do you think you can see maybe Edoguchi, Kalmak and Hatate in the midfield going forward? I, I think that it's gonna de- it's gonna depend a lot on the kind of game and and the kind and the kind of opposition that Celtic are facing. I think if you want an aggressive attack from the opening whistle, that's when maybe you start Hatate. But mm-hmm. if you know that you do have to be a bit more defensive and prepare for an early push from from the opposition, then maybe you put in Itaguchi. I think that you can go either way. Yeah, hundred percent. And we'll move on to the Duracell bunny. That's Dyson Vieta. And th- this guy, now, uh, before I get into him, he came into Celtic and a lot of people in the first couple of games are saying he's, he doesn't look quite at it. But since that, he's been bang on it from the left. And I always thought the left was his best position when he plays in the middle. He do- he, not that he doesn't look as good, but he doesn't make the same movements as Kyogo does. Mm-hmm. Mieta just runs up and down that left-hand side. And him and Greg Taylor, I know there's, there's a lot of people who do, don't rate him. Me, personally, I'm 50-50 on that. But they do have a good partnership. And and the scene when he joined Celtic, he had the most sprints in the J League or the most closing down at the reception and stuff. And you can you can fairly see that. But may in the next season, are we going to see a totally different player, but even better after a rest? He, he's going to be even better after that rest. Absolutely. I mean, I get tired watching him. You know, you see him. <laughs> I, I, I forget the exact stat of the, the 2021 season where I think he had something like 15 or 16 of the, the top 20 uh, sprints 
in in the J League that yeah, year. Yeah. And he just where he gets this energy from, I don't know. He should give some of it to Hatate, who, who's who's needed it a bit this season. But just you know, I, I think that he's as I sort of said at the time of his signing, he's not necessarily he's a player who can score and does mm-hmm. score. Uh, but more importantly, he's a player who will pressure. You know, you talk about Itaguchi pressuring. I think Maida is not the king. Just if you if you're looking at what he's contributing to the attack in terms of the pressure he creates and the stress he creates for for defenders and the room that he creates for other attackers to do their thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's incredible. And so I think that you're going to see a lot more of that. I think that he's adjusting to the pace. He understands. I think he can feel very confident after this season, uh, get some rest. He's going to get some more experience for the national team next month, most likely. And he's going to come back and just be shinier and, and, and bolder than ever. And I think that, you know, it's, you look at what he's done with the chances he's had this season and now he gets to do that in the Champions League. Yeah, th- yeah. there's, there's. I think that it's going to be such a motivating competition for these players uh, to have the chance to do what they're they've done in Paris, in Barcelona, in Rome, wherever yep. they get drawn in. Yeah, and that's such a huge occasion. I think one of his coaches, it's a Hutchison. Um, one of his as a coach has said that he is like a machine. He's he's probably up there with Mbappe in terms of speed. And if he if he comes back like that, then we're we're all happy. And Egyptian King comes in here for a great point. I heard you talk about this before. Mm-hmm. Two million for Mieta is an absolute steal. Is transfer fees in Japan something being discussed? Because for me, the the same. Now I don't want to jinx it. I'm going to touch a wee bit of wood mm-hmm. here, but the same re- really low for these quality players. They are, uh, and this is. There's, there's a few different issues, and I'm not going to get too in the weeds on this, but it has to do with the fact that players, clubs generally aren't signing players to pro contracts from when they're teenagers, like, like you would in, in, in Europe. When you turn 18, when you get out of high school, that's when you're old enough to get signed. And a lot of the time... Play you, these young players will get signed signed to pro C or B contracts, and then you eventually get get up to a pro A when you have enough minutes when you've made enough appearances. And the the problem that the that Japan has that so many of these players they want to go to Europe, that's the goal. And so a talented player like like Fudahashi, for example, his agent can say, well, he's he wants to go to Europe and he's good enough to go to Europe by the time he turns 23, 24, maybe even, even 22. Mm-hmm. Do they want a club that is going to hold on to him and charge a big transfer fee? Or do they want a club who, when they get an offer from Europe, is going to say, you know, thank you and good luck? So yeah. the preference is always going to be for, for a club that will offer that easier pathway to Europe. And that's how some of the smaller clubs even have, have managed to, to get good players for as long as they have by saying that, listen, we're not going to pay you a million dollars a year. Sorry, a million pounds a year. Pounds, <laughs> euros? What's it? What's it? Pounds. <laughs> pounds. <laughs> Look, the exchange rate's horrible no matter where you go. We're, we're, so, but we're, we're not going to give you a million pounds a year. But when a European club comes calling, we're not going to put up too much of a fight 
and that's appealing to the young players who want yeah. to, to to be able to to build themselves themselves and establish themselves. And two million pounds for Maida, that you know, it's it's big by J League standards. Yeah, but it is, as we've seen, very very much undervaluing what these players. Oh are yeah, worth. and this is something that the J League is conscious about because they are aware that without changing things, without changing how transfers are handled, especially overseas, the clubs aren't going to get the money that they need to replenish the stocks, to sign new players, to invest in the academy and and develop more players. And so the question is, how do you fix that? And it does require a massive overhaul of how agents work with clubs, how clubs are are structuring contracts and how they're the JFA is treating high schoolers and, and university players and amateur players for when they go pro. So it's going to be a while before they sort it all out. And, and this is something that the league wanted to do these last two years, but you had the pandemic and they had more important things to worry about. Yeah. It's, it's, I mean, it boils down to an agreement really, doesn't it with the player and the, and the club. And I think that's, although the transfer fees are low, but it is quite respectful to the club's, allowed to happen and you can see the kind of in the Japanese players that we have the humble humbleness about them all the bound going off the pits and they're just so respectful and I like that kind of attitude I, don't know, I, mean, I like that vibe and we'll kind of round it off with Riho Atate here the, of the Japanese contingent and you made a great point can Meida transfer some of that energy to him because he looked absolutely busted the last couple of games he's played he came in running off adrenaline he played a cracking game against Rangers scored two goals he can pass the ball he can dribble with the ball just at the moment, I'm not obviously saying anything about it. I think he's a fantastic player, but are we, can we expect a better level of Atate next season when he comes back? Just, he, I think that it's, you know, the, the fact that he got this last game off, you know, is a sign. Look, mm-hmm. he needs a rest. I, I don't think that he would have taken that as an insult by not being in the squad. I, I think that he has more than earned uh, his place in the squad and, and as a starter. Uh, I think that. What what these Japanese players? Uh, thank you for that comment, by the way. Uh, what what, the, what these Japanese players all have in common is that you can start them, you can bring them off the bench, and either way, they're going to always put a hundred percent into their game. You know, they're, they're not scrolling onto yeah. the pitch. They're 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 not, you know, holding it back for for smaller opponents or whatever. And I think Katate put a lot on himself. I think he. Uh, that in his diary for Sportiva that I translated the other week, and he he talked about the sort of how tired he was. You know, when when you're in training and and seeing two balls, that's not a great sign. But it, and and that goes to what I talked about earlier, just the travel to and from Asia. Uh, and I think that now he understands how to approach things better. Hopefully, yeah. I think that now he knows maybe he has a better understanding of what he needs to do nutrition wise, what he needs to do just for fitness and for recovery. And he might try try out some new gadgets, gadgets this summer, take yoga or, you know, whatever, whatever he needs to do. I'm sure that Celtic will help figure it out for him Uh, because he, as I said, when the three players were signed in the winter window, Hatate in a way has a higher ceiling than any of these four. Yeah. I, I think he has the most potential to grow and, and he will just be absolutely scary when he's playing at a hundred percent every weekend. Uh, but you know, he, he just 
not all players can deal with that. You know, I think that he, even in the, the games where he wasn't hundred percent, as I think you agree, he showed his talent, he showed his potential, yeah. but there's only so much you can do for so long before you're running out of breath. And, and you're seeing that in the 50, 60 minute mark. So we'll see how he does this summer. I'm, I'm in no way concerned about his ability to get ready for the next season and, and be ready with all cylinders firing. See a quick one on the diary. Again, this causes a lot of misinterpretation in Scottish new, newspapers in general. Kenny Mermans that some of the things he said points to that he's unsettled and he's fatigued and he's missing home. But to, to go back to you on that point, is that something that Japanese players do a lot? They do these diary things, and especially when they're traveling overseas, is that something we can expect in the future? I mean, I wouldn't say that he was sort of home. You know, I, w- I wouldn't say he was missing home. I think that all the Japanese players miss home to some extent. Yeah, well, but, you know, like, I wouldn't describe it as homesick. I think that it is... Scotland is as far away from Japan as you can get in a lot of ways, just in terms of in terms of the culture, the the food, the just the, the training environment, the fans. And I think some of those are positive changes, but it is an adjustment when you're a Japanese player and you're used to speaking Japanese 24 seven, and then you are dropped into an environment where you're hearing nothing but English. And a lot of your interactions are going through an interpreter. That's a really stressful thing. Uh, yeah. So, you know, I, I don't think you should, I don't think the fans should read into it. I, I think that not every player does these sort of diaries or these sort of long media things. I don't know if, this was him writing it on himself or more likely him talking to a journalist who sort of ghost ghost writes it and that sort of thing, Yeah, uh, which is very common here. I mean, it, it you know, the, what he wrote, I don't think isn't made up uh, because again, with Japanese players, these things do tend to go through several levels and their, ma- their agents check it and their management team checks it. Uh, and, and I think that he was genuine and I, I think there's just part of it. And I, I think that, if anything, he should be respected for the honesty because Mm. it does take a lot. I I think that players, especially at that high elite level, there is so much pressure to always be on, to to not look like you're strong. And so for him to come out and say, listen, this is tough. I think it's a very brave thing to do. And I think it's, it's a very honest thing to do. And I, I think that you saw that the reaction wasn't, you know, well, he can't cut it. The reaction wasn't that we can't handle it, but, you know, what can we do to give him the environment he needs to be better? And that, that's why, you know, so many fans were in my mention saying, well, we have to bench him. We have to give him, give him <laughs> some time. And in the end, he wasn't really benched. He just kept going. And I think he managed, yeah. he managed it. But, you know, Andrew's no fool. I think he knows where his players are at. And if he thinks that a player needs to be rested, he'll rest the player. Uh, and so I think in that sense, in that sense, Ange trusts his players. The players trust Ange, and the pl- I think Ange trusts the players to trust him. Yeah. And so I think it, if it was if Hatate was really in a position where he couldn't play or he didn't feel like he could, he's going to say something. And I think that that's a very good environment that they have where they're, where they're in a position to do that. Yeah, 100%. I think one of the brilliant things that Anne said, I don't know if you've seen it, he said about Hatate when this was all being questioned, saying he needs to get used to the Scottish pace of football. Mm-hmm. So he's basically planning to get used to that kind of pace, which again, is, is in a way dealing with it, do you know what I mean? Because he, he's going to be chasing that next season, plus the Champions League football, then the cup competitions as well. So 
hopefully it all bodes well for the Japanese contention we'll have a Celtic football club. But just to round it off, that brings us in nicely, Anthony Dunn. Question for Dan Stephen. Are there many other hidden gems in the J League that he believes could end up at Celtic next season? Big fan of your work. So you fire on, Dan. Who would think him? Um, I mean, I'm going to say I don't I, I don't think there are going to be too many undiscovered gems in the J League because I think that because of the interest and because of how, what you've been able to see from Japanese players now, I'm, I'm very thankful that there's so much interest in the J League. And I know that right now the UK doesn't have a J League broadcaster, so call up your your broadcaster of choice, your streamer of choice, and and uh, I think one football or whatever it is, and just tell them that you want to see the J League. Uh, hit up the uh, the J League's English Twitter account. Uh, I think it's going to be much harder uh, for Celtic to discover those sort of gems. Yeah, you know, I think that I think that a lot of the diamonds are coming out of the rough. Um, I'm not sure you need it to be honest. I think that. You know, we sort of joke and meme about, oh, well, Celtics should just start 11 Japanese players. Not not that I don't think you want that, but, like, do you need it? I think that you have four very strong talents, three of whom have a very good shot of representing Japan in the World Cup in a few months. Um, I, I think that if you're going to keep looking for Japanese players, it sort of disrupts the energy in the room a bit. You know, you don't want to go all Pretty in. Good point. Uh, I think that uh, isn't... Isn't the the new signing is from Iran? Is Iranian? Was that? Uh, but he's not he's not confirmed. Postal Cogley actually said he never heard of him before. So okay, well, we don't know that. Yeah, but... look, look, and if there's someone I want to play at poker, it's Ange Postacoglu. But um, I think that he's going to be looking not just in Japan but elsewhere in Asia, uh, and I think that he is very aware of of what uh, the the Asian market is and. You know, I don't think you need to go to Japan because I think that, you know, for one, it's like I tweeted the other day, it's Chinese buffet rules are in effect. I think you don't get to go back and you don't get to go back for more until you've used the players that you have. And I think that Itaguchi deserves his shot and I think he'll get it. Um, You know, if you're looking at players who can fit your needs, I think defensively, if I'm looking at Japanese players, you're going to have to get out the checkbooks, but I would look at the players who are in Europe and proving themselves. You look at Wataru Endo at Stuttgart, mm-hmm. who just saved the team from rele- relegation with an incredible goal. Uh, Hiroki Ito, who's there at the same club on loan from Jubilee Iwata, uh, and he's 19, but he's, I believe, started in most of their games this season, and, and for him to make an impact there at such a young age is commendable. And I think there's uh, something like 50 or 60 Japanese players in European first division teams yeah. right now, either on loan or there permanently. And so I think you can look at those. And in those cases, you're getting players who have already experienced European football to some extent and, and they're adjusted to it and they are. I, I, I think in reality, Dan, what you're saying is Celtic leave the J League alone. <laughs> Look, Celtic, I mean, don't come to the J League, but you know, just just bring a bit more than two two million pounds. Um, I, I, I will give you. Uh, I think that arguably the J League's best striker at the moment is Yuma Suzuki, uh, who's with Kashima Antlers, and he was in Belgium for a bit, and it didn't really work out for him there, uh, but. Uh, his his coach at St. at um, Saint Troyden at the time, Kevin Muscat, who 
inherited Andrew's seat at Yokohama, Yokohama, uh, speaks very highly of you, Mizuki. And one of the most frustrating uh, points of contention for those of us who follow the Japanese game is why hasn't Suzuki uh, been called up for the national team? The, the answer to that goes into sort of he's had some issues with the head coach, Hajime Moriyasu, and, and there's some friction there. But the reality is that he's one of the best Japanese attackers uh, who's playing right now. And I'd put him up there with, with Kyogo. I'd put him up there uh, with you know, Yuya Osako, who's unfortunately going to keep getting call-ups. And, and he, you know, you, you look at the, those players, and I think that he can... Do you need him, though, is the question. Do you need him? Do you need another <laughs> Japanese striker? I, I, I feel like, again, I feel like you have to look at midfield and and at your back line. And, and the other thing is that do you necessarily want players who are question marks? Do you want to go for mm. a young talent, especially when you're heading into the Champions League? And, and that's the other reason that I would say that you look look at Europe because yeah. you, know, you can get great Asian players, you can get great Korean players and Japanese players who are in Europe and who are aware of the level of play. And you're not going to be looking at them 15 minutes before you take on Barcelona or Real Madrid and asking if they're up to the task. Yeah, I, I 100% agree with yourself. I think sometimes, you ha- as you rightly said, that the Chinese buffet comment was quite funny, but it kind of comes into effect. I mean, you don't want too many... I mean, it's it's not a, a bad thing. We have four Japanese players already. We still need to keep kind of a Scottish core, and then as I think you're you're right. The whole European market, we should be looking at that. And some people in the comments were suggesting South America and South Korea, which Hans Postecoglou said himself that he wants to to tap into in the future, and also Iran. But mm-hmm. uh, he, he said he didn't know who that player was, so don't don't know where that's going. But uh, go ahead. Yeah, I mean, there's. I, I think that is if, if you're comparing, especially. Uh, Japanese and Korean players, I think that I would always say that, that Japanese players are, in a way, better agility and technique, but Korean yeah. players are going to be more more physically ready, and they can handle rougher play, and I think that they are, in many ways, a good fit for the Scottish League. Uh, this is part of why Japanese clubs have struggled so much in the Champions League, which is that you're always playing these Korean and Chinese clubs who are very physically rough on the pitch and you know we we call it it, this this is derogatory but it's always sort of taekwondo soccer or or you know or 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 judo football and and it is that sort of you you, when you when you're when you're a japanese club and you're lined up against the k-league club in the champions league you have to be ready for war and so if you i don't think that there's a better place to look for those physically talented players who who can get into a scrap if they need to, then the K League, then some of these Korean players in Europe. I think there's a lot of potential there. Yeah, hundred percent agree. And I, I take it as well in Japan, Dan, that the Celtic supporters kind of went through the roof. The Celtic uh, um, Japan Twitter has like o- over fifty thousand followers. Mm-hmm. Then added to the fact that Japanese players, what's it been like over there for yourself? I mean, it, it it's been fun. It it, it is. Especially when when you have so many players in Europe, as I said before, to have four at one team is incredibly <laughs> conven- is, is convenient uh, for me personally. And I, I think that you know I've obviously had some fun on Twitter this last year. We've all had some fun, I hope. Mm-hmm. And 
you know, it's been great for me personally as a journalist to have all these opportunities to get to interact with you guys and and to learn uh, so much about Celtic fandom and and the culture and and the club. And it it is great exposure for Japanese football, for the J-League. I think that when a manager like Ange succeeds, when Kyogo and Daisen and Reo succeed, that is Japan's success and that is Asia's success. And all mm-hmm. of us who bang the drum for Asian football, uh, we're always happy to celebrate those moments because we believe in it. Uh, we want to see Asian football get the, the respect and, and the credit it, it deserves. And I think that this, this championship is a big part of that. And it's, it's one step uh, that hopefully will be will part of many. Mm-hmm. 100% and again the link between Celtic and the J-League I do hope it continues and kind of finally Dan a wee prediction for next season you made many at the start of the previous season there so what are you going to go with? Uh, in terms of I mean I've made success, a lot of success the success success I, I think you know Oh God! It's May. It's May fifteenth or twenty 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 two. <laughs> the day after we lifted the league night. The day after you lifted the trophy, and you're putting me on the spot. So the, these are my first predictions. This is the first predictions for the 2022-2023 season uh, that I'm going to that I'm going to lead. And these are most, if not all, hot takes. But I'll do it. I will tap Celtic to de- to defend. Uh, I think you can get to the round of 16 and then knocked out of the Champions League. And I think that uh, at least two Japanese, two of the Japanese players will be named to the World Cup squad. If FIFA decides to expand the roster, which they've talked about, I think extending it from 23 to 27, there were were rumors. I don't think that if that Mm -hmm. happens, I think you get three. I think I think Kyogo is a lock. I think Maida is on the good side of the bubble, and I think Hatate had, needs some time. I, not, I, I'm not totally. I wouldn't put money on Hatate making the World Cup squad right now, but I think that he'll have the opportunity. Uh, you're going to yeah. see that in June. We have four friendlies coming up: uh, Paraguay, Brazil, and then. Ghana and two other Ghana, Tunisia, and one other and Chile in the uh, Kieran Cup, and I think it will, so. We'll play two of those, so four games in total. And uh, Moriasu is planning on calling up a big squad of thirty players. He's going to be doing a lot of rotation. Uh, it's going to be a lot of rotation and a lot of seeing what works and what doesn't. And he's also going to uh, have the uh, East Asian. Uh, championships in July, but that'll be a J League squad, and so you don't have to worry about that. Nobody's getting called. <laughs> nobody. Every time there's a call up, people panic. Uh, is and I'm telling you, so you know, for for June, I think I think that all three Celtic players will get called up in June, but don't worry about July because they won't be eligible. Uh, Moriasu couldn't call them up even if he wanted to. Uh, so I think that again. With an expanded World Cup squad, I think all three make it, and and that's hard mm-hmm. for Nidaguchi, but he's just not there. Right yeah, now. he's not quite there yet. Yeah, Nidaguchi has a bonkers, you know, first few months and, and turns heads in the Champions League. You never know. You know, don't write him off completely, but just right now, I I can't predict it. So those are 
those are my the, the three predictions that I will say into a camera live as we talk. And if anyone there is going to put go go to William Hill and put money on that, and if you win, you have to send me half. That's how this works. <laughs> right. So we've got the Fender League title, yeah. Yep. And then we've got um, last sixteen of the Champions League. Yep. And then two Japanese players are free getting called up to the World Cup squad from Celtic. Yeah, I think those are and, those are three that I will I'm willing to say, to say <laughs> into a live mic. What about the cup competitions? I'm not going to get that. No, don't put, don't put that on me. No, I mean, look, look, uh, cup competitions. I mean, that's such a close run thing because you have rotation. Yeah, yeah. You have look that. That's a coin toss half the yeah. time. You look at uh, Liverpool and Chelsea. You know, yesterday. You know, it's. And I think that the league is more important. I, th I mean, I think the Champions mm -hmm. League is going to be the... Okay, here's what I'll ask you. What would you... If I told you that... I mean, just, just now I've said that I'm pretty confident that Celtic can defend. If I told you that you would get to the, let's say, the quarter, at least the quarterfinals of the Champions League, but you have to settle for second domestically, do you take it? No. There you go. Not a chance. Not a okay. chance, Don. Okay. <laughs> I think I think you're right. The SPL is the, the bread and butter for Celtic Football Club, and in Europe, last six things are great shout. I think that's a great shout. And I just want to say as well, Don, thanks for coming on to the show. I've I've actually really enjoyed our chat. It's fluent. I in for a half an hour. You're right. <laughs> I told hour. you. No, every time people say, "Oh, twenty minutes, half an hour, it'll be quick," and I'm like, "No, nah, it's you know." But no, I love it. Honestly, it it's been such a privilege to have these conversations and, and to be able to preach the gospel and, and to, to tell an audience that a year ago wouldn't have given me the time of day, you know, how amazing a league we have and, and the amazing players that we're developing. Uh, because today, as I tweeted, is, is the, the J League's 29th birthday. Um, the first game was May 15th, 1993. Uh, so next year is the big 30 and that's a huge deal and, and i think that you can see that the, the league was founded to help professionalize the game to raise the level of play to create japanese players who are capable of competing on a global stage and yeah. you have kyogo daizen and leo and, and yosuke and they have grown up their entire lives having professional football. And that's not something that the generation before them could have said. So that shows you how important the J League has been and, and how much potential there is to, to go even further. The, the JFA's goal is to win a World Cup by 2050. Mm -hmm. And we're still, you know, we still haven't cracked the round of or the quarterfinals. We haven't gotten to the last eight yet. But if you look at these players, I, I think that Japan is in a tough World Cup group. Very tough. You've got Spain, Germany, and either Peru or New Zealand. But this I think is with like, the players Japan have, it could be doable. It is, as I've said, the, the deepest squad that Japan have ever had, the deepest player pool, the most talented uh, potential roster that they could possibly have. And so if they don't make the round of 16, if they don't get to the quarterfinals, it's 100% on the coach. Because, yeah, 100%. Um, when you have players like Dyson and, and Kyogo, it just... 
you should be able to do that. So I, I hope that people enjoy, you know, like I know we'll like, we have fun, but I hope that people enjoy it. I hope that the fans out there are enjoying learning about us. And I hope they'll continue to learn about us because we have 58 clubs in the J league across three divisions now. And it's just uh, more than anything. I hope you'll get a chance to come here and see it in person one day. I think that um, next year, this is based on, on it's sort of, sort of obvious, but I think that you will get a preseason tour in Japan this year. Yeah. It just wasn't feasible because we're not open to tourism yet. But if if everything works out, if Japan reopens, if the the four have another great season, I think next year you're going to see it, and it's going to be spectacular. Hundred percent, I agree. Again, with the links we have at the minute with the J League, why not take advantage of that and get over it for exposure for both club and the J League perspective? And amply done. A contributor in our show, always welcome back. Perhaps ahead of the World Cup. Hopefully, you can. Hopefully, um, look forward to it. Absolutely. Uh, it's going to be a, a tense half year for us as we get. You guys are your um, you, you, your qualifier against Ukraine is in two weeks, something like that. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, yeah, something like okay, that. So, what would you? I mean, for you, is it club or country? I mean, I know the I know what the answer is going to be, but just you know. For, well, for me, Dan, if I'm totally honest, I'm Irish, so the whole. Scotland... Oh no, sorry. Oh gosh. Yeah. See, <laughs> this, this is this is the problem that I always get. It's like, okay, where is the because I'm going to get myself in trouble, but you know, it, it, it's. I go I, for. I, it. But no, I I think that it is it's such a different dynamic among Celtic supporters because I think you do have the. Uh, fans who are as much Irish as they are Scottish or, or yeah. both or neither. But but here it is, you know, yes, there's your club, but for Japanese fans, I think getting to the World Cup and going deep is the most important thing, or that is the goal, that is the brass ring. And yeah. so I, I think that when when Japanese players have been called up from Celtic, you know, there's always been a bit of dismissiveness from Celtic fans, like, oh, like we want them to play for us. And I, I, I think I understand that, but... I think I hope everyone understands that for for Japanese players to represent Japan is the ultimate. To put on that blue yeah. uniform is the big thing, and especially for those players to be able to potentially represent Japan at the World Cup. Yeah, playing William against... and William is show regular for us. He's very big on that. And he's very scouting passionate, and he says that's the biggest kind of honor okay. for a player in national duty. Hundred percent, I agree with you. Mm -hmm. And Brown Warrior comes in here down the end of the show on a quick note. Has he ever heard of Shinsuke Nakamura? Yeah. Of course he has. <laughs> uh, you know what? Someone was in in my comments saying that uh, Jiro Nakamura from Gamba is a, is a player that that they should be that, that people should be looking at. And he's pretty young. I think he's just this is his rookie season or his second season. He's only just cracking the the, the eleven. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm sure that everyone would love to see another Nakamura. Uh, come to Celtic, but hey, Nakamura is still kicking it. He's in, Hello? Hello? He, he's uh, getting it done, and uh, it's like we have players like him and Kazumura, who's fifty-four and, and playing in in the the JFL, which is sort of the fourth tier. And it, it's I, I haven't figured out what they put in the water here, but it's just the the, <laughs> the the fact that the players can keep going just forever. Yeah. 
It's a, it's, a, it's a great lifespan, isn't it? Nakamura, he always kept himself fit. And I remember all the, the former players who played with him who said he was in the gym first, mm-hmm. last, out practicing mm-hmm. free kicks and all that type of thing. It's a testament to the way Japanese players' attitudes are. And I think that's fantastic. You can see it with Meda, Kyogo, Atate, and Adaguchi. But that brings us to the end of the show, Dan, again. Thanks very much for coming on. I do want to make the people in the comments aware, but we'll be back again on Tuesday with a reaction podcast to the, the game. The Clinton League title will won the league there, 6-0 against uh, Motherwell. And then on Friday is our big end-of-season party. We'll be having drinks, beers, whatever you may want. Get them in now, because it's going to be a long show. And Dan, once again, thanks for coming on, buddy. Thanks for having me. Um, let's do it again before the World Cup, or before the or let's do it again when, when the, uh, the Champions League draw happens. And... Yes, we'll do that. We'll get that and we'll get that in the diary, no problem. And to everyone who's watching and going to listen on Cats Up, stay well and keep safe. Heel heel.